And there it is. We're back. PGA DFS for a full year this time. None of that half-year bullshit you have from me last year. I hope you like the cut of my jib, because this time I'm around for the whole year. And if you don't know, the big guy loves PGA DFS far too much. So if you like the cut of my jib, you're going to want to hang around and watch a lot, because I'll be coming hard and heavy this year. No more of that new guy stuff we did last year. This year, it's advanced grad school PGA DFS strategy. Why am I making this show? Well, first of all, let me tell you, this show's not about me. This show is answering a question I get asked far too often, which is, who do you like to listen to when it comes to content? So I have the great idea. Why don't I just have all the people that I enjoy come on and answer questions about the 2023 PGA season and give you guys a preview? And that is what I am setting out to do with this show where you get to see who I enjoy listening to, taking some of their ideas, making it into my own, and becoming a successful PGA DFS player. So what else is left to do? Let's get to the guests and hear what they have to say. All right, my first guest, I'm beyond excited. It is the godfather of PGA DFS. If you somehow don't know this guy, you've been living under a rock. Without this guy, I truly believe this, this industry would not be what it is. He works harder than any man I know. He puts out the best content out there. And if you want to know who I've listened to the most hours of my life on pod of any person alive, it is without question this man, the godfather himself, Pat Mayo. Pat, why don't you go ahead and tell me, what has you most excited for the 2023 season? I just want there to be a major, preferably the Masters, to come down to... Let's say Rory and Rom, you could throw in Spieth, you could throw in whatever PGA guys that you want, two or three of them, and have the big hitters from Live make a real challenge to win a major. I think it would just, where the Masters is going to be the biggest rated-wise, at least in North America, it would make the most sense for it to be Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, and throw in whoever else you want, Abe Answer making a run. And then all of a sudden you have Rory and Rom and maybe another Will Zalatoris as an upstart PGA guy on the other side. Just I want to see that conflict come to a head. That is the, for all the downsides for live happening and what it's doing to the PGA and drawing away golfers and the world golf rankings being blown up. We do have this outside potential for this to be an amazing rivalry at majors. And I just want to see it come to fruition as quickly as possible. So we don't lose that chance. This next guest, I listen to far too much of his content, probably because he's far too much like me to me of all the people in the industry. He's the only one that has the Holy Trinity. He is sharp as fuck. He makes incredible content, and he's a high-stakes player. My man, Totag and Tambo, I need to know right now, what has you most excited for the 2023 PGA season? Always the majors, maybe You know that. But, hey, I got a few more things. I will say this. The majors are always exciting. We know that. For me, though, this year, the elevated events. Last year, we, I know all the live versus PGA talk, but you go to last year, you see the RBC Canadian Open, a prime example. Maybe because I'm Canadian, a little biased, but JT, Rory, Finau, all in the mix down the stretch. We don't get that at very many events. This year, the elevated events are going to be the most exciting. There's lots of big name events. All the players are going to be there. And then I will say this too, it's outside of the PGA season just slightly, but Ryder Cup year as well. So very excited for that also. My next guest, his name is Eric. You probably know him as 925 Sports. Might be the hardest working guy I know because I personally do PGA and I do NFL, and this guy somehow finds a way to do both of those and NBA. I'll never get it. I'll never get it. Awesome stuff. Great production. If you want a guy that actually looks like he's prepared when he goes on the camera, unlike me, you definitely need to go check out 9 to 5 Sports. Let's just hop straight into it. What has you most excited about the 2023 PGA season? So the thing I think I'm most excited about is that it should be back to more, uh, and I'll put it in quotes, a normal season, because you think about the last two seasons, last year was more or less, I guess, the live year where all the golf talk was pretty much surrounded about live, and you kind of just got annoyed by it by the end of it. And then two years ago, obviously COVID and whatnot, even three years ago as well, this should finally be the first year in which it's kind of back to normal. We can finally just get back to fantasy golf, which to me gets me excited. Normal schedules, don't have to worry about stuff. It should be a fun year. Our next guest, my very first friend on Twitter, my first golf buddy. He'll always have a special place in my heart. One of the guys that plays high limits and actually, you know, I've seen ship from some pretty nice GPPs, a dude that I listen to every time I get a chance. He's one of my favorite dudes in all of PGA DFS content. His name's Jason Roslin. Brother, I need to know, what has you most excited for the 2023 PGA season? Yeah, well, you know, things got shaken up pretty big last year in professional golf with uh, the Live Tour coming on. So... What I'm honestly most excited for is seeing how these guys interact in majors. What I'd like to do is see the friendships that were built in the years past kind of come back together. A, a spectacle, you know, if I think of the WWE. Now, I'm not saying this is scripted. I'm not saying professional golf is the WWE. However, if you could get a PGA Tour versus Live scenario, 
uh, I think it could be a big-time pay-per-view event. I don't think it's here this year, but I'm excited to see how that unfolds. Number one. Number two, I'm excited to see how they start to pump these elevated events. And maybe behind it, DraftKings gets behind them as well, pumps up the prize pools. Maybe we get a millionaire maker for each one. Probably not this year, but if the PGA Tour is going to start to promote these events a little more, maybe that'll gain the interest, of course. So those are two real exciting things I uh, have going for this year. And then lastly, of course, the unknowns and the rookies. This is my favorite thing every year. So that's going to be a standard answer for me every single time. All right, my next guest, GS Luke, the guy that I watch more for Showdown PGA than any guy out there. If you don't know, he is sharp. He makes good content, and he actually does PGA ownership for Showdown, which if you don't know, that's hard AF. That guy, he's a sweaty, sweaty man for doing that. He does PGA every week on Wednesdays, 6 o'clock stream. Check it out, and then come check out mine. Right, It's right before the emergency stream. We make a point to not step on each other's toes. I'm excited to have him, one of my favorite dudes in the industry, Let's just get going, GS Luke. My man, I want to know, what in 2023 has you the most excited for PGA? So a few of the changes uh, that we're expected to see. And uh, thanks for having me on there. And I'd say, you know, only 70 making the playoffs. It's going to be a little bit sweatier to get into there. There's a, a little bit less of a cut down during the playoffs, too. So a little bit more of like that playoff atmosphere or like the top half are moving on. Uh, elevated status because of some of the live guys going over. You have some of the higher payouts now. Um, the FedEx Cup points are being distributed a little bit differently. So uh, some of the changes that we're going to see that, that uh, hopefully are going to make the game a little bit better, get a few more eyes on some of like the top-end events. And uh, I know they're pretty much, I don't say they're forcing all the top players to play in like those top 20 events, but they're pretty much going to be like the stacked on stacked fields. Like with the payouts and the boost to some of the FedEx Cup structure, I mean, it's, you pretty much have to show up. So uh, I'm definitely really excited for those. And uh, hopefully what is even an even bigger growing support of the sport, like people coming behind it, younger ages, all those sort of things. Because like with more money, with just more prestige around some of those premier events, you'd hope that that would translate to uh, higher viewership numbers. So uh, I would say that that's the most exciting thing for me. My next guest. David Barnett, you may know him as DB from the Tour Junkies. If you guys don't know, might be the most entertaining show out there. And they might pretend like they're not that sharp, but it's pretty good golf content. Listen to him. Been listening to him for years. You should definitely check him out, but more on that in a little bit. Let's get straight to the questions. Dave, what has you most excited for the 2023 PGA season? Uh, I think you're a fool if you're not geared up for the Masters, right? And it's the Masters every year, but this year, it's the first week we're going to see these live guys paired up playing at Augusta National uh, right here in my backyard in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, I'm pumped about that. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we get a little chaos with the pairings. It probably won't happen the first two days, but maybe uh, it may become the weekend. We actually see a you know a Rory Patrick Reed pairing or a Cam Smith Rory pairing somehow. So for me, it's just like the Masters is it every year anyway. But this year with, with having the opportunity to see these live guys come back and play um, is, is really the – the thing to me. So I'm geared up for Augusta. My next guest, you probably know him as Brian Kirshner. I know him as the guy who tweets all the time, a world-class Twitter follow. If you don't know, you got to go follow this guy. He hosts the tap in birdie. It's one of the best podcasts out there. I listen to it every week. He acts like he's not sharp and he's just entertaining, but let me tell you, he's a little sharper than he, than you would, uh, than he would give himself credit for. So let's just jump straight into it, Brian. Uh, what has you most excited for the 2023 PGA season? I think uh, logistically, I'm just kind of interested to see how the scheduling works out with these new elevated events. And, you know, we have six of them, you know, so these events, everyone's going to be playing. But I'm curious to see how strong the fields are going to be for the Honda Classics, like the John Deere's, the Canadian Open, the events that kind of surround um, these events and to see if kind of these elite guys that you know, are in these elevated events are going to double dip and play some other um, events when it fits their schedule. And then I I'm definitely curious to see how the live guys play in the majors. Um, I don't think there will be like any beef or any, you know, fighting or anything, but I I'm curious to see if really Cam or DJ, um, you know, have enough ability and, can contend with the best players in the world 
playing, you know, only 54 holes a few tournaments a year. So I, I think those are the two things I'm very much looking forward to. The next question is the Scotty Scheffler Award. Because if you didn't notice in 2022, Scotty Scheffler kind of roasted PGA DFS in a way we have rarely seen. So this year, I want to know who is the guy that you think is most likely to do what Scotty Scheffler did in 2022, but do it in 2023. Let's get to some answers. Here we go. I'm going to go with family man, John Rom. A little bit busy last year, a couple kids on the go, riding it out, having to watch some of those other things happen. I know the Mexico Open wasn't doing it for everybody, getting the job done there, but he did get the job done. Strong end of the season overseas. Forget all the live versus PGA stuff, but just bringing it up. When he was asked questions this past season about what he thought, he had said, I'm not the guy to talk to. So I'm thinking maybe he's a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder wanting to get after those guys, Rory, them. I think he's going to be big in the majors, and I think he's going to get back to world number one as well. So this one is tough for me. I was between two players. One, Tony Fino, I was just coming off of the season that he already has going in 2023. You know, two victories. That's pretty awesome to see. I could see him continuing that. And obviously for him to win this award, maybe win a major or, you know, get three second places in a major. The second one, kind of the same thing. I think Xander kind of turned a leaf mentally at the end of the tail end of the last year. I could see both of those two kind of being the Sky Shuffler. But let's be honest, tough to beat Sky last year. That stuff was some amazing thing. Maybe the closest we'll ever, ever get to Tiger again. So tough to beat that. All right. So to be dominant, you can't just be good at one statistical category, one statistical party again. We look back to Tiger Woods, right? When he was dominating, it was everything. He led strokes gain in every single category on the PGA Tour during his prime. So I think of guys that who could possibly do that. Guy that comes back to mind for me, well, first off, Cameron Smith is not on the PGA Tour anymore, so it can't be him. But John Rahm. We have seen him do every part of his game, top 20 PGA Tour ranking at some point in his career, whether it be putting around the green. We know statistically off the tee is one of the best. Maybe if his iron game that has maybe lacked uh, what I would say top 10 caliber, but when he gets that going, the other parts of his game are so good. He would be my one pick to go out and, and get a couple. You know, he's now had a couple of kids. We're, we're through that phase of his life. Maybe this is the time for Rom to pick up, uh, you know, a, a multiple win season again and maybe two majors. Cool. So uh, the cop-out answer here would be Rory McIlroy. I think a lot of people would say that. But uh, I have a little bit of a personal disdain for Rory. I know uh, D-Gen himself would uh, share that with me. But uh, on top of that, I think John Rom. I think he's going to give him a run for his money this year. Coming in with momentum, the short game has seemingly gotten a little bit better over the last three to four months. You've seen him go from a negative around the green to a positive over his last 50 to 100. His putter has also gone right around like a neutral to a, once again, significantly positive putter, which a few years ago, he was top 10 on the PGA Tour in putting. So like this guy, he's, he's got a lot of room for improvement there. And he had the kid, he had a lot of distractions last year with Liv. And now that he's gotten a lot of that out of the way, I think that he could go out there, just dominate, win like four or five events. That would not surprise me in the least. But Rory McIlroy, world number one, you can never count out. Um, Scotty Scheffler, if he gets a hot putter again, we could uh, be naming this award the same thing next year. <laughs> um, the Scotty Scheffler award, it would not surprise me in the least. But uh, I'll take John Rahm. I think he's, uh, he's primed. He's uh, coming in with the right momentum. All right, so the breakout player for me, and, and the guy's been on tour for a little bit, and he has won one time, but it's been a minute. And I talked about this on, I think it was Pat Mayo's show the other day. I think Aaron Wise is coming, okay? He's got, he's got new teeth. I think he got some veneers. He got the glow up. He's got a new whip I saw on Instagram the other day. I just love the dude's game. Uh, he's got all the length that you need to compete on the PGA Tour in a very underrated short game, which, uh, you know, which is going to take him far on, on tough courses and major championships. So to me, I think Aaron Wise kind of takes the turn this year um, and, and is just going to have a Scheffler-like season. It, it's got to be Patrick Cantlay for me. Um, I think that he really underperformed last year and he just didn't get a lot of win luck where there were a lot of events where he was very much so in the mix and just kind of fell short. He obviously won the BMW championship, but he obviously lost in two playoffs. Um, so I think that the way the schedule kind of comes out, I think that the travelers being elevated, he's been amazing there. So I think he could win that um, Memorial that's elevated. He's unbelievable there as well. Uh, waste management. That's also an elevated event. He's been great there. Lost in the playoff. 
So I think there's a scenario where he wins two elevated events and maybe a major. Like, I think it's time that, you know, he kind of turns that narrative around that he can't play well in majors because he's such a complete player and he just doesn't really have the results to show for it. So I could see a scenario where he maybe wins an open, uh, he wins a major, and then he wins an elevated event and then wins some other event. And three wins uh, in 2023 is extremely hard to do. So Patrick Cantley, I think, is going to have a monster year. Not really going out on a limb here, but if some people know me. And if you don't, you know my favorite player is, well, it's Siwoo, but it's not going to be Siwoo for this answer. It's going to be my guy Colin Morikawa, 2L Colin. Bad year last year has fallen outside of the top 10 in the world rankings although when you go look at his metrics you see that towards the second half of last year the driving started to get back to where it needs to be the iron play wasn't the best in the world every single week like it had been the year previous but the putter was just god awful hopefully he spent some of this time during the offseason to figure out what is wrong i don't need him to be denny mccarthy or Taylor Montgomery, or Justin Lower on the greens, or vintage Jason Day. I just need him not to be Luke List every single week, losing eight strokes on the green. Just gain like two every third tournament. He's going to win like four or five times. So he's a world-class player. He does the two things in golf you need to do to be a world-class player. He just needs to not chip and putt himself out of tournaments. And especially at these mega events now, these elevated status tournaments, I think that Morikawa is in a very good position to just have some of the bad luck that he sustained in 2022 flip back in his favor in 2023. Our next one is called the Willie Z Award, aka the Whippersnapper. Because if you don't know, Willie Z was that young guy that came out of nowhere and really dominated the PGA season last year. I want to know who is that guy that could be the Willie Z of this year for 2023. Let's hear what they have to say. So Justin Sutton, and teaser alert, he might be an answer for another question as well, but you know he's made four straight cuts now in a row, kind of start off rough during the fall swing, but I think he has a great chance to come out and break out this season. Seemed like something that could have done it two years ago, was the top Corn Ferry Tour player on the season last year as well, so he does seem like something that's bound to break out and kind of the same type of player as uh, Willie Z a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I can definitely see him going out and you know producing very well. All right, the Young Whippersnapper Award. I like this one. When I won my club championship, the one that I did, uh, I was called the Young Whippersnapper. So I do like this one. And we had a great season last year with, with both Willie Z and Cameron Young, total breakout candidates. Now, I don't think the class or corp of players is as good. And Tom Kim. I can't forget Tom Kim. I mean, he was maybe the biggest ascent of all three. I don't think the class of players is as good this year. We've already seen one guy kind of stand out to me, and the problem is is that he's relied heavily on his putting, and that's Taylor Montgomery. However, you look into his putting, and this guy has won big money putting championships. It's kind of funny. Uh, he's got some YouTube clips. Check it out. He would be one category. Now, I'm going to preface it to the other guy who came out of college the same time as my my buddy, Morikawa, Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland. So, Three amazing players or two amazing players and one live player. Um, but has really struggled around the green. We know Hovland struggles around the green. Justin Sue struggles around the green even worse. But off the tee, on the approach, and his putter, all top caliber on the PGA Tour if he gets it going. So Justin Sue, Taylor Montgomery, those are going to be my two picks for the Young Whippersnapper Award this year. Perfect. So I would say Taylor Montgomery would be the cop-out answer here, but I think he's already arrived. So we're going to skip Taylor Montgomery. Great prospect there, there though. Uh, I'm going to take Chris Goddard up, somebody who perhaps hasn't arrived yet. I can see DJ's happy about that one there too. Uh, obviously has the power. I've seen him in person a few times. The ball sounds different. You've heard that from people. I know it's like everyone talks about that, but literally the ball sounds differently off his club face. He's got a decent short game. I've seen it. It's not terrible. It's not great. He definitely has to get better there. On um, the putter, too, is a little bit lackluster. But we've seen guys like a Cam Young compete without some of those elite short game um, touts. You have uh, a few guys like a Davis Riley, right? His around the green play can be a little bit shoddy. Uh, I think that he can go out there, perhaps post a top five or two this season, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see another Cam Young-like season, though, where in major championships he's competing uh, multiple second place finishes, um, top five just galore for a Cam Young. Uh, he's he's an absolute stud, but uh, I think perhaps Chris Goddard could go out there and do a similar thing. 
All right, so the whippersnapper award, I could go a couple different directions here. I, I'm sure you know people say Taylor Montgomery. I'm excited about Taylor Montgomery. G- going to be good, okay? Hits it a mile, puts it great. But I think I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Nick Hardy. I think Nick Hardy finally makes the move. I predicted this for Nick Hardy last year. It didn't work out, but he battled a little bit of an injury. Uh, we we interviewed Nick Hardy just a couple months ago. Uh, love where he's at, love where his game's at. Can also, you know, hit it a long way and roll the rock quite well. I talked to a tour player uh, back in the fall, and he was like, dude, and I didn't even ask him about Nick Hardy. I, I didn't I didn't say anything. I, I was just talking to him about his round. He said, you know what, I'll tell you this. I played around with this Nick Hardy kid, and I don't know what his stats say, but this dude rolls the rock better than anyone, any young player I've seen on the PGA Tour. Uh, it was quite the high compliment, and it was unsolicited. So I, I think Nick Hardy is a gamer. I think he's a killer. I think when he gets in contention late on a Sunday, he's been around enough. I think we could see him close the door and have a kind of a sneaky breakout season outside of that Taylor Montgomery world. Okay, so Nick Hardy's the answer for me. So I, I was kind of looking at ages of of people on the PGA Tour because that's a normal thing to do. You know, we we all do that, and uh, there's not too many extremely young guys. Obviously, Tom Kim, that is really the answer. But I'm going to go with Sunjay in. Look. I don't understand how this player only has two PGA Tour wins. He is way more talented than that, in my opinion. And, you know, I think he's someone that's very consistent. A lot of top 20s, not a top 10, a lot of top 10s. But he's not even someone that I feel really even contends a lot or, like, is really in the mix on Sunday. And I think he has to turn it around this year because, I, in my opinion, he is just so talented, just 24 years old. I believe he should have more than two wins, and I could see him maybe getting two wins this year. Um, so Sunjay M is someone I'm going to be rostering and playing a lot, and I think he's going to have a, a big year as a only a 24-year-old. This is the non-controversial take of the century. I assume that everyone is going to have essentially the same answer. I'm guessing that some people will say Pendrith, although we saw a bit of the breakout last year. I'm just going to say PGA Tour rookie, the clear front runner for rookie of the year, Taylor Montgomery. He bombs it 9,000 yards off the tee. We've seen him compete in like real tournaments as well. I mean, obviously the top 10 streak during the swing season, the victories on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, everything is pointing up for that breakthrough to come quicker rather than longer on the PGA Tour. Now, some guys, be it Finau or even Will Zalatoris or Scotty Scheffler, sometimes it takes a little while to get over that hump. And that could be two years from now. But everything is accelerated in today's day and age. Even on the PGA Tour, you see these young guys come through so quickly. And the big difference between him and almost everyone else that we've seen, and maybe it's just a stroke of luck since he's joined the PGA Tour, but dude can putt. And this isn't like a, hey, he gained nine strokes one week, lost nine the next week. No, he's right above average every single week. When you have the rest of the game to go along with it, especially against some of these weaker fields, because he's not going to have the high elevated status. He's going to have to play in the jabroni fields. That Taylor Montgomery is setting up to have like a one or two win year, uh, although he probably doesn't end up making the FedEx Cup finals because the tournaments that he wins are absolute trash. Had a few guys for this one. I'm going to save one of them for later, maybe a further further question down the road. But I think Cameron Young is the most obvious. I'm sure that answer is going to come up. So I'm going to go with a different guy. I'm going to go with Digala. Digala, super boom bust. I'm going to say it's almost Homa-esque in the way that he, when Homa, before he started getting all the wins, was top five or miscut or a very poor result. We're seeing the same thing with Digala so far already into his career. Almost two wins, some mistakes down the stretch. I think that changes. I think he gets at least a win, if not two, this season upcoming. The next one's the Double Dip Award. Who's going to win two majors this year, and why do you think that? Let's go hear what our esteemed panel has to say about this one. All right, the Double Major Award. This is interesting. I think it starts off with, if we get Rory McIlroy's career Grand Slam excuse me, to happen at Augusta this year, he's the most obvious pick, right? Because he's going to have three more chances. Obviously there's going to probably be a good statistical course fit for him in the other three. We don't even have to go into the weeds too much. We know that one of the last three courses is going to favor a guy that hits the ball a mile and as straight as possible. So Rory would be my number one. If he gets it done at Augusta, if not, I can't imagine two of the last three courses will. So he'd be one number two, of course. Well, you look at guys that can win Augusta and can win an open championship. If, Things go haywire. Jordan Spieth's name would pop up to me uh, there. But I don't want to use him there because he's going to be my guy for another answer. So my number one pick for a double dip major award would be Rory McIlroy, especially if he gets it done at Augusta this year. 
Perfect. So uh, a few guys you could consider here, but I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. So a few of the golf courses, I think he really fits well. First off, LA Country Club, a little bit shorter, a lot more short game heavy than some of the other major championship courses that you'll see. And then also you have Oak Hill Country Club for the PGA, which is another short course. Jason Duffner won there. You've seen a lot of elite iron players have success at both golf courses, which Justin Thomas is going to check there. But also the short game. It's a classical golf course in both setups, a lot of runoff areas. Um, they're going to be running firm and fast. We know that, you know, six months ahead of time, just based on how they're going to set it up. So I'm expecting somebody like a JT who maybe is going a little bit under the radar. He could pick those two off. I mean, he won one last year. He has the experience. He's kind of in his prime at this point. Um, you know, Rory McIlroy could go out there, nuke two major championships. That wouldn't surprise me. He's won at Royal Liverpool before. So not a lot of people would consider that. But JT could also win at a Royal Liverpool over there at Augusta National. You could have somebody like a JT compete there too. So I think he's got four live chances at it. Um, there's a few guys I think that could do it. But given just his age, the skill set fit, particularly at LA Country Club and then Oak Hill, I think he's got a legit chance this year. But given that those two courses are so short, I mean, there's probably a more people this year that could get to that double dip type of status um, than most years, because most of the time it's these long, you know, just firm and fast, gnarly rough for US Open and a PGA Championship. And it's not going to be that way this year. It's going to be a little bit more of an Irons Fest short game specialist course. And I know it's a little bit harder to maybe go twice when more of the field can win. So I don't, we'll have to see, but maybe it's JT this year. All right, the double dip award. Who's going to take down two majors this year? Um, I, I can't decide between these two guys, but I'm going to I'm gonna throw them both out there. I think the first one is going to be Tony Finau. Uh, I think he's ready to finally finally close the door on a major championship. Uh, on on a major championship uh, at Augusta, I think that could happen. I think it could it could happen anywhere because he's Tony Finau. The guy's freakishly talented. We've seen him play really well in 2022. Obviously, uh, I think he's I think he's turned a corner. So Finau would be one, and the other one is Max Homa for me. I I, I think Max Homa. The guy's won what five times in like 21 months. He's he just had his baby. He's going to have some baby swag. He's going to have fresh perspective. Um, he's not really done well at Augusta in the past, but I think he's I think he's gone like miscut, miscut, 40th something. So, you know, fourth time around Augusta, what will help? I don't know that that could be the one for Max, although I do think his game fits Augusta National. Um, but you're talking about two players who just great total drivers of the ball, which we know strokesing off the tee, hitting it long and straight is going to be key. Both guys with really good short game, a lot like my Aaron Wise pick. Uh, I like guys that can hit it a long way and scramble when they need to. To me, that just is the recipe for major championships. I don't care what the venues are, what the course is. So Max Homa, Tony Finau, if I'm going to get outside of the top five in the world to, to win two majors, that's where I'm going to go. So this is probably the easiest answer I have. Um, I don't really see how there's another answer to this question. It's clearly Zalatoris. Um, we're talking about a guy that like, was one stroke off winning the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open next uh, last year. Obviously has amazing uh, Augusta record only two years into his career. Um so when answering this question, you got to look at guys who step up for the majors, and Zalatoris is exactly that. He's not someone you want on your regular PGA Tour event like Byron Nelson, Birdie Fest. You want him in difficult, tough conditions because he's such a good ball striker. So for a guy that easily could have won two majors last year, you know, a couple putts here and there, uh, Matty Fitz gets up and down from 225, makes a 40-foot bomb putt. Zalatoris easily could have won two majors last year. I think he'll win one this year for sure. I think he could win two, though. I'll make this easy on myself. I think if you were to put a bet on it, and the favorite to win that bet is going to be Rory. Rory's going to be in contention at Augusta. Probably won't win Augusta, but hey, he's always in the mix. So the potential for him to finally create the career Grand Slam is going to be there. Then you go back to Royal Liverpool, where he's won before. And then with the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship, we've just seen crapshoots at different skill sets winning at those tournaments. Rory hasn't played particularly well in terms of contending at those events uh, in the past few years. But um, he can always turn on the switch. We've just seen it. He gets hot once a year. And then the winds just start filtering through. It just seems to not mesh up in time for major seasons. So if he can go out and like 
challenge at the players, win that in March, or play the Valspar, or do something like that, maybe he'll have built up enough momentum that he can get Augusta, pick one off in between, get the PGA Championship. It's basically him or Rom, I think. Uh, the live guys just aren't going to play enough golf to really make me feel comfortable that they're going to ride enough momentum and have enough reps in recent form to get to the top of the mountain in some of these majors. Rory seems to be the best equipped to do that in 2023. Going back to my guy, John Rom here. Talked with my guy Kenny Kim over at the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, and we were weighing out all the majors. Look, you know what his master's record is, so that's going to be good. You know what is he's a U.S. Open champion already, so that can be good. He's got a great links game. It plays overseas, everything like that, so the Open could be good. And I know the PGA Championship is the one that everyone says, oh, it's going to be an outsider. It's the most likely to be. I get that. But also one that long, straight off the tee, things like that can come into play. John Rahm again as well. And then lastly, if you listen to any of the podcast last year, there was one that they did where Pat Perez said very sternly, this guy truly believes he can win the most majors. I believe that's a far cry from what I believe, but I do think he's the guy that if someone's going to win two, it's going to be him, John Rahm. I'm going to go with Rory for this one. Um, It's kind of a cheap answer, I would say, but... The biggest question with Rory is always, is he motivated to play well? And it just seems like he has turned kind of a mental leaf in his head lately. He has been more mentally motivated. And with that, to be more mentally motivated, what does he have to do? What does he have to prove? He probably needs to win a couple more majors to really solidify himself as maybe second best ever, third best ever in the sport. So he definitely needs to go out and produce some more majors. And maybe this will be the year that he goes down and wins two majors. He should be at least there, you know, top five and at least two out of, or three out of the four, maybe two out of the four, but some that we can see right around that later board wouldn't shock me if he kind of falls into two victories, maybe gets a lucky win like uh, Justin Thomas last year as well. The next one's the Brian Harmon Hobbit Award. Because if you don't know, in high-stakes DFS, Brian Harmon is like the most over-owned guy of all time, and for the life of me, I'll never get it. So I want to know who my panel thinks the most overrated player in DFS is. Let's get to it and see what they have to say. All right, so most overrated player has to be Corey Connors for me. Last year, if you look at it, just stroke play events, you know, normal PGA Tour events with a cut, he had one top five finish. One. All of the entire last season. And a lot of people treat this guy like he's an elite level player. He's an elite level cut maker, kind of what this award is named after with the Hobbit man, Brian Harmon. The guy's just a top 25 machine. There's nothing wrong with that. Charles Howe third, a similar player for his entire career. Going to go out there, make you cuts. If you like a top 10 finish every once in a while, he's probably going to post a bunch of those. But if you're playing PGA DFS, which is what a lot of us out here are doing, you're looking for a top three finish for somebody that's like an eight, nine grand golfer. And at this point, Corey Connors is being priced like a nine, sometimes 10K golfer in these really weak field events. And uh, yeah, he's just a prime candidate for this. Um, Brian Harmon, obviously, you know, would always be considered for this award. Um, Russell Henley outside of that win would probably be on this list too. There's just a perennial list of guys that I'm feeding at DFS who are also getting a bunch of ownership. Like guys like a Corey Connors and Henley are always like 20% owned, at least like 15% owned on weeks with a relatively weak field. And it's just outrageous to me. I just, I can't do it. So uh, definitely Corey Connors spearheading that list. All right, most overrated player on the PGA Tour for me, and he also holds uh, he holds the title for the the worst cankles on the PGA Tour. He had a competitor in Matt Wolf, but Wolf now holds the cankles record on Live. But it's Tommy Fleetwood. I don't understand Tommy Fleetwood. He has, you know, everybody sends around the whole dog. He's got the dog in him meme where the X ray in the ribs and there's a pit bull in there. You, it is a, it's like a. a uh, miniature schnauzer in there for Tommy Fleetwood. I don't know what it is. The guy is not a killer. He everybody gets all worked up about his ball striking and his iron play and all. And I just think he's overrated. I think he's probably a super nice guy. His caddy Ian Finnis, one of the coolest guys I know. He's a really cool caddy, and he knows that I don't think his guy is any good. So I, I just think Tommy Fleetwood is overrated, and I lick my chops in DFS if he's projected to be chalk. If he's a chalk donkey. I love it. I love it. Eat all the Tommy Fleetwood chalk you want in 2023. I will gladly fade it while I'm passing you up the DK, uh, the DK rankings. Okay. So I don't know if this necessarily translates to his ownership every single time he tees it up, but in my opinion, the most overrated player on tour is Victor Hovland. Um, look, the guy 
is again a top 15 player in the world but until you win a major pga tour event that's not the mayakoba classic or the hero world challenge which is legitimately an exhibition and it should not be getting world ranking points like it's just hard for me to think of you in that super super elite tier which i believe that he's kind of put in from time to time and i think he had a pretty down year i think he was pretty down you know in you know um the spring kind of like towards the summer and the, the odds reflected that. So it, it's not like he's someone that is, Oh, you're never going to get a discount on, but he needs a big win this year. He needs to win an API. He needs to win a Memorial. He needs to win a waste management. He needs to contend again in a major and not do nothing on Sunday. Like it, he, in my opinion is extremely overrated given his resume at the moment. Interestingly enough, Brian Herman, because I looked into this the other day is the number 24 player in the world at the moment. So think there might be a problem with the new official world golf rankings and that's one of the reasons that people tend to gravitate towards brian Harmon in a lot of these places he's very what we call the safe player he makes a lot of cuts uh, although he so very rarely contends and wins he kind of pulls a matt kuchar backdoors top fives top tens he's never really in the mix to win you a tournament at an elevated price but now that you go look at his world ranking his price is going to be probably somewhat lower than the other players that he's ranked around in terms of money lists fedex cut points and everything like that and and he'll just be the cheapest option. Like, well, he's number 24 player in the world. Of course, you got to take him. Seb Straka is that guy this year. Seb Straka might play well three times a year. That's great and everything. But you're going to start jumping on him at like on DraftKings at $8,200. Well, he's number 29th ranked player in the world. And he'll miss eight cuts in a row. And then all of a sudden, he'll be like 6,400. No one will use him. And he'll contend at a major for reasons unknown. So for me, it's Seb Straka, I think, is the, the Brian Harmon of 2023. This was definitely the hardest question for me. I was looking at it. If I had done this show last year, I would have said Rory McIlroy. You, hell, you could even Google it, and Rory McIlroy would come up for this based on his letdowns in majors, long time since he'd won one, and he would have shoved that right down my throat with the season he had last year. Even without the major, he was very close to the open, great season otherwise. So for me, I'm the nice Canadian guy trying to be nice about this one, but I will say this. Davis Riley is the guy I would say is the most overrated when it comes down to it. We love his talent. We love what his upside is. I play him a bunch in DFS, but for me, he has not done much. He has not come through. The Valspar was a letdown as well. Lucky shot for Burns, some will say. But either way, got to see a lot more out of that guy this season. So I answered this question specifically for 2023 as it sits right now. So I'm looking at Hideki. And don't get me wrong, I love Hideki. But lately, he just hasn't been producing. A lot of that is due to injuries and whatnot. But I feel like if you were to go out and ask a random average golf fan, they'd probably say Hideki is one of the top players in the world right now which long-term they wouldn't be wrong, but currently that wouldn't be true. He has been very disappointing lately, and it's going to take a while for him to gain back my trust for this upcoming 2023, uh, you know, full stretch of the season there. So, yeah, definitely a decade for me right now, but don't get me wrong. I love him. All right, so this is an interesting question for me because in the higher stakes, especially as you go up into that $500 buy-in or even the higher, the $2,100 or higher, Players get weird. They roster the same guys every single week. And before Charles Howell III moved over to the live tour, it was that guy. Everybody rostered him, whether it was 6,300 or 8K. He just got the ownership every week. And with him gone, I see people turning to Corey Connors every week. And listen, I think Corey Connors has a fantastic golf swing. He's a T-degree monster. But you can't play him every single week because that just doesn't work. It's a recipe for... Long-term success. That's why we've seen Connors, since he won the Valero, stay on tour and been pretty good, got to the President's Cup. I just think his price, when it gets over 8500 he's just not going to give it to you all that much. So maybe a contrary take. I don't hate Corey Connors. I just think he is a bit overrated, especially with the ownership he needs. The next one is the Tom Kim Award, because if you don't know, the big guy loved some Tom Kim in 2022, and I don't see myself stopping loving him in 2023. But I want to know is who is that guy that the entire community is going to fall in love with in 2023 like we all did with Tom Kim in 2022? Let's see what they have to say. All right, the DFS darling for 2023. Listen, Tour Junkies, we've been doing this eight years, man. We, we, I was around when Bryce Mulder was a DFS darling, okay? That's how old I've been in this whole thing. So I think we got a couple options. Is Tom Kim really that guy anymore? Probably not. I mean, everybody loves Tom Kim. How could you not? Um, but it's going to be one of two guys. It's going to be Taylor Montgomery is going to be the DFS darling, right? And and maybe all, all warranted. But also, you know who was the DFS darling for like four seconds? He kind of slid in there, in there for like, four weeks and then he disappeared but he's going to be back and i think maybe people have kind of like kind of forgotten about him for a second but when he pops back up on tour 
it's going to be Chris Goddard. Everybody's going to be all back in on Chris Goddard. They're going to be enamored by how far he hits it, and and they're just gonna they're just gonna soak up all the Chris Goddard ownership. Well, now great dude interviewed him. Uh, really good dude. I think he's got some promise, but uh, it's going to be one of those two guys. It's going to be Taylor Montgomery or Chris Goddard is your DFS darling 2023. So I would love to know your thoughts on him because I could just see you and, and Jesse and other people just absolutely tilting their face off about Taylor Montgomery this year. But I like I, I could just see it that he's just like he finishes like T15 every week, like maybe throws in the top five. But like he's just extremely consistent. And even if he starts slow or it's not a course fit, he's someone that just hangs around and just always plays well. And, you know, if he's in that set, like, I don't know, like 8.5 to 7.5 range. And like, he's just consistently delivering for people that are playing him, even at higher ownerships. Like I could just see it with him. And I, I think that a lot of people um, might get mad about Taylor Montgomery this year, but I, I do think that he's just going to be such a consistent top 20 play. And that obviously works out well in DFS. So I'll, I'll go with Taylor Montgomery. Now, hopefully not everyone jumps on board, but I think when you start looking at what he does well, I spoke about it with Morikawa. Now, obviously, his is more irons than driving, and Davis Thompson tends to be a bit more driving than irons. But overall, ball striking, combining the two together, when you start looking at some of the young players who do this really well, and you start running your models, and that's heavily weighted towards ball striking, greens and regulation, irons over everything, he's just a name that just keeps getting spit out week after week after week. doesn't matter who else is in the field. If it's a loaded field with the best players in the world, you're going to run ball striking. And all of a sudden, the Davis Thompson is going to be spit out at like number 18 among everything else. Now, hopefully, almost like a lot of the other guys that I like, can you just learn how to putt a little bit? All I need, just a little bit. I don't need you to become the best putter on the PGA Tour. Just don't be the worst. And he kind of falls in line with the other guys that I've loved over the years, be it Ben Ann, be it Luke List, these types of players who you just look at the numbers, you're like, how aren't they Rory McIlroy? And then you remember that, like, oh, they're legitimately bad at putting. Hopefully Davis Thomas has enough pedigree from all of his college success and his youth on his side that he can turn this around now and really capitalize on the excellent ball striking performances he put up towards the end of last year and to begin the swing season. And we're going to find him in the 6,000s until further noted. Until he starts top 10-ing and top 5-ing, uh, we're going to see Davis Thompson down in the 6K range, and that's going to make him very popular to me, whether it be everyone else. I don't know. I think the answer is Aaron Wise here for this one. Everyone's hopping on board with this guy. Makes sense. He's always a little bit too cheap. Now that we've got all these different events and stuff, he should still show up pretty cheap. So I expect everyone to go back to him and him to be the darling that everyone plays. But I'm also going to say someone I mentioned earlier, and that's Sahith Tagala. Hard not to like this guy. He makes perfect sense. I talked earlier about the upside that he has. If you think more people think like me, that he is going to come through and actually close those out and get those wins this time around, I could see it being him as well. So two answers, a little bit of a cop-out. Aaron Wise, Sahith Tagala for 2023. So I was originally going to put Taylor Montgomery here, but I feel like he could already be in that category a little bit. So this is where I'm double-dipping a little bit. Going to go with Justin Sa again because... You think about it, he's going to be someone where if he does start to catch on fire a little bit, he'd be a little bit under set or underpriced for you know a lot of the slates, especially if he does make a couple of the majors would be underpriced there. And people like us would probably be hammering him if he is going out and having a great season. So Justin saw for me is someone that I could see kind of catching fire and being someone we're loading up on consistently throughout this uh, 2023 season. All right. So this year we are going to have a very similar player. In fact, maybe the same player. Be the DFS darling, it's going to be Tom Kim. Not only is he so likable off of the golf course and on the golf course with his personality, he's got the fire and he's got the game to back it up. If we see him win a major this year, this kid's this kid's stock is going to go through the roof. It already is pretty high, but I think go even higher. If you want a different name other than Tom Kim, I think Sahith Thagala. If this guy wins early in the season, he was already starting to gain steam with uh, his popularity amongst DFS players. If he wins early, it's going to be no holds barred. He's going to be, you know, high on every single week until they price him way up. So I'll go with Tom Kim being the Tom Kim and uh, Sahith Tagala as the second choice. Sweet. So my DFS darling is going to have to be Sunjay M, somebody who's kind of already a DFS darling, but he had the top finish there at the Tour Championship, almost ended up taking that thing home. A few nice finishes there over the fall swing President's Cup. Looks like an absolute stud. Wouldn't surprise me if he's going to be that guy who's like 20, 25% owned every single week. 
You have Alexander Shoffley, who always has that inflated ownership. Patrick Cantley kind of gets a similar sort of bump. And Sanjay M, he plays so often and is so consistent that it wouldn't surprise me if that people just start clicking on him every single week as he's seemingly posting a top 25 finish every week. So the difference between him and like a Corey Connors would have to be the top end upside because Sanjay M has won, first off won a few times on tour over the last few years that has a bunch of top three, top five upside, multiple runner up finishes and solid field events too. So I'd have to say Sanjay and it's unfortunate because I love Sanjay M. I love playing him. He's a really good player, fits every single golf course. I think that's the other half of it too. So you can't make a golf course that he can't play. He hits it dead straight every single time he hits it. I mean, if it's not dead straight, it's a shame. He's going to end up in the woods and he's in a lot of trouble. But 90% of the time, he just hits that dead straight ball, kind of like a Tom Kim. So um, I have to say, uh, good old Sanjay M. Our next question needs to start with a confession. I'm a Sahith Tagala whore, and you need to know that about me. We all have a player on PGA DFS that we play far more than we should simply because they have a special place in our heart. So I want to know, who is the one player that you are an absolute slut for like I am for Sahith Tagala? So he's not even really close to like this elite category that you might think of uh, for this category, but I- I'll go Dietrich. Uh, uh, like I just talked about with Montgomery, like I just think Dietrich is just an extremely consistent golfer and he's due for a big year. And he's someone that made me a lot of money in um, the fall swing. And I think that we've seen it a lot where these guys that are, it's their first or second year on the PGA tour they play really well in the swing season and they really find their footing. I'm not saying this guy's going to go out and win or win twice because he's kind of allergic to finishing events, but I think he's someone that, again, is just going to be a very consistent top 10, top 20 play. If you could get him at cheap ownership and at a low price, like I'm going to play Dietrich every single week because I just think his, his game fits well. And I think I, I really like what I saw out of him during the swing season. So for me, this is actually Euro answer more than anything else, because I think he might have two PGA Tour starts, and I think they're both in majors. Uh, but it's my guy, Tristan Lawrence, or Thirsty Lawrence, as I enjoy to call him. But he's picked up a few wins now on the DP World Tour. So I think we're going to see him more at these major events. He's climbing in the official world golf rankings. I always have one rando South African that I really just get behind before they come onto the PGA Tour. Unfortunately, I tend to stick onto them too long. I did that. I mean, playing Bezadenhout when he was a DP World Tour guy. Betting Charles Schwartzel to win the Masters the year he won the Masters before anyone really knew who he was. You have all of these guys coming through. Dur- Dean Burmeester, although he's back on the PGA Tour now, love the Burmeester Mistalita when he was coming up. So now it's just going to be Thirsty Lawrence for me. Every time I see him eligible, he's going to be way down in price and came through for me. Almost all the way in terms of your great performance at the Open Championship this year. But he's just been great on the DP World Tour. And it's so hard to figure out who's actually good coming from that tour at this point, knowing how watered down it is. But every week, consistently, a fantastic Lynx player as well. So maybe during that like Scottish-Irish swing, we can go back in, play in some of those bigger money tournaments, and I'm just going to use him in every lineup. Yeah, this is a tough one because I know I said earlier that this guy's maybe the most overrated player in Davis Riley. It's not the Tony Romo talk and all the stuff that we get of how good he is, but I definitely am a slut for this guy when it comes to DFS. I'll play him all the time. I think it really comes down to hearing actual tour players. Another guy that, you know, I was off of last season a little bit, and Willie Z will go out and tell you that this guy, Davis Riley, is going to be a top 10 player in the world. For whatever reason, I continue to believe that. We know he's got the talent. We know he has the upside. It was close as much as I made fun of it at the Valspar last season, but I'm going to continue to play this guy all season long. That's Davis Riley in 2023. All right. So this question is definitely tricky. People have watched me before kind of know I dial in on someone kind of for some reason for the full season. When I started out, it was like the Scott Pierce year for some reason, always underpriced last year it was pretty much Billy Horschel where he's just kind of too cheap to pass up on uh, and just consistently making cuts this season so far. And I could easily see it continuing into the later end of the 2023 season. It's Andrew Putnam. Okay. Andrew Putnam has been someone just given the price point. I've ended up on so much. And he's someone that lately has been showing some upside as well. Not only is he making cuts, but he was showing some upside as well. So he is someone that I've enjoyed rostering. I think I'm going to continue to enjoy rostering through the end of the season as well. All right. So if you guys, Follow me. You you definitely know my answer here, and that is Jordan Speed. Here's a couple of things I'll say about Speed, though. If you want to dive into his stats, we know he had so many problems a couple of years ago. I backed him through it all and definitely lost money on it. 
I'm not going to lie. However, he was also part of my biggest hit when he won the uh, British Open, and I came second in the uh, Millie Maker there. So he's still got a pretty good place in my heart. And here's the thing. He's improved his strokes gain off the tee, especially on the driving distance category. He's like top 50 on the tour, maybe even top 25. His swing looks good, but most importantly, he trusts it now. And I think that's vitally important because through when he was struggling, he didn't trust anything. His putting stats are a bit worrisome. But the thing about Spieth is, is we know he's got those magic beans with that club. It's only a matter of time before he hits. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably play Spieth pretty much everywhere I'd normally do. And the tournaments where he's, you know, some of the favorites. So I'll just overplay him, uh, you know, AT&T Pebble Beach, maybe even Augusta this year. So, yeah, I'll go back to my Gordon Jordan Spieth. I think he's in a great uh, frame of mind. I've seen him play off-season events this year. He seems uh, really happy. And he seems, where is the sounds? I've got a picture for you. I'll share soon. My wife and I took of him and my wife at the Tournament of Champions a couple of years ago, and he looked wicked scrawny. He was sick. He had just come off of a couple of injuries. You compare that to now, the dude has put on weight. I mean, he's lifting up a baby all the time. The upper body strength is there. Listen, I'm all in Jordan Speed this year. I think it's going to be a good one. I am an absolute DFS slut for Jordan Spieth. That is no question about that at all. I play this guy no matter what. Pretty much bet him every single time he plays. And it's because I play a similar brand of golf in real life. I can't keep the ball on planet Earth. I hit it in the trees. I have to hit recovery shots pretty much after every drive. And uh, that's his specialty. It's what he does. He gets himself out of trouble. And uh, I use the same putting grip too. So there's a little bit of that going there. But on top of that, the guy just randomly pops off for wins. I mean, you saw that at the RBC Heritage. You got a really good number on it. And Brooks Kapka kind of does that same sort of thing. So I like playing those golfers that just pop and get you like a 40, 50 to one number on them. When in reality, they should probably be like 25, maybe 30 to one every single week. But when they get into that bad stretch, no one wants to touch them. And uh, that's fortunately when he ends up popping off. So I've uh, had a lot of luck with Jordan Spieth. I've won a lot of money betting him over the last like four or five years in DFS. And uh, yeah, pretty much you put him in a field, I'm going to have 30, 35% Jordan Spieth. It's uh, it's pretty much a shoe in every single time. So I get real, <clears throat> I get real lathered up for this guy. And and my, my slut of the year award, DFS slut of the year for 2023 is that little young, rich whippersnapper, Mav McNeely. Buddy, I cannot quit Maverick jameson mcneely i don't know that's his middle name but it's probably something real rich i cannot stop playing maverick mcneely which in the start of the year might pay off because we know he's comfy over there you know hitting hitting it around the pebble beach uh the cypress point areas and all that stuff like he's going to be fine um hopefully he can roll the rock a little bit on the poa and get that first dub i, I think I, I think i had the outright on him when he choked it away on like number 12 i can't remember what tournament it was uh, but Mad McNeely is my guy. I hope he turns the corner because you know what? I don't see myself quitting him anytime soon. The final one is the Donkey Chalk Putter Award. Because if you've never noticed, when somebody's Donkey Chalk for the week, you can count on them to pick up 11 strokes putting and let the donkey dicks get there. And so I want to know what super hot take my guys have about this year that's as hot as the putters for those donkey dicks. What do you got for me, brother? Now, this may be wishful thinking. In fact, I know. It's wishful thinking. I don't think that we see it this year because it seems impossible. However, I think the live is going to evaporate sooner rather than later. We are not going to see it. It just doesn't seem to be gaining a foothold. So whether that be three years from now, four years from now, when it just doesn't make any money for a half decade and people are losing billions of dollars, eventually it just has to go away. Unless it's just a very high-end money laundering operation, which could be the case. Who knows? But I want to see... A PGA versus live style match Ryder cup type event. I know that benefits the live more than it does the PGA. And that's why it would never happen. But I, I want, I just miss some of the live guys. I want them back in my life. I miss Bryson. I love Bryson. Miss Bryson. I miss Brooks. DJ. I miss his talent. Don't really miss him. Cameron Smith. I'm going to miss Cameron Smith. Like there's enough guys over there now. That's a real problem for me day in and day out on the PGA tour that before, when you would have your mega events and everyone would be there, that would be great. You would feel good about that. But even when you'd go to some of the lesser tournaments like the American Express or the Sony or the Byron Nelson or the Heritage, when we take, I mean, the Heritage is an elevated event this year, so I suppose that doesn't really go into this consideration. However, when you are doing a grind of the PGA every week and you're paying attention, and you're betting and you're doing content and you're really watching it, 
it's not going to be fun every third week when it's a non-elevated event and we're missing 20 guys, four of whom may have played in these events and no one else is playing in these events because they're playing in the elevated events. Like you're going to be watching like sub tier corn fairy field. Like that is not going to be fun for anyone. The PGA, me, you, the viewers, the gamblers, it's going to be awful. So I just want to get these guys back into the mix. And the sooner that can happen, the sooner there is more comfort friendliness between the two, which again, probably never happens is better for all of us. Yeah, this one goes perfect with what my answer would be. I have a a hot take here. I did it with the Mayo draft for the season-long draft that we did over there, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say that the first major, not only will a live player win a major, it's going to be the first major of the season. It's going to be the Masters, and it's going to be a guy who does get red hot with the short game. Cam Smith is going to get the job done, make up for last season where he couldn't quite catch Scotty Scheffler. Live player Cam Smith wins the first major of the year at the Masters in April. So my spicy take is going to be that Ricky wins again. And I could feel like some people might actually jump on that a little bit. So let's go ahead and make it spicier. I'm going to say that Ricky Fowler is going to be in the final pairing for major on a Sunday. Okay. And the reasons behind that are really just comes down to his swing coach being fired. We saw his swing coach get fired and instantly Ricky was back and we look at his troubles. Well, they all seem to come from him. Well, maybe the golf ball a little bit switching golf balls, but I think it was mostly due to the swing coach. Now that he's gone. It kind of seems like we had the old Ricky back. So if we can see that happen again, where he continues to play well, maybe we're getting a little bit of Jordan speed, you know, at the tail end of last season, a little bit, the 2022 season where he kind of had a comeback year this previous season. I could easily see that happening for Ricky Fowler this season as well. All right. This is going to really hurt some people in golf media's feelings. I'm going to tell you right now. And Cam Smith is going to make every single pot at Augusta to yet again steal Rory McIlroy's thunder and win the Masters. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be the first ever live player to win a major championship during their live golf tenure. And it's going to keep the grand slam away from Rory. It's going to be brutal for those that are rooting for Rory. But for those Cam Smith fans, I am one of them. I love when he starts to make putts. It makes everybody angry except for me. So... There it is, my spicy take for this year. Sweet. So my hot take this year is going to be, I think we see a rookie win multiple times. And Taylor Montgomery has to be your favorite to go out there and do so. I mean, first off, the putting numbers started off, like it looked like an aberration. He was getting like four strokes an event. And while he's not gaining four strokes an event anymore, I mean, he's gaining like three quarters of a stroke per round putting on average. And he had the one bad week where he hardly gained with the flat stick. So when he has his putter, this guy is going to be a top five putter in the field. The ball striking off the tee. I mean, he's got the distance. He's got to work on the accuracy a little bit off the tee. Um, he's well above average in terms of that distance, but uh, in terms of accuracy, he can get a little bit wobbly from time to time. The iron play though, has been relatively consistent. You've seen him be a slightly above average iron player. He's not an elite iron player by any means, but with that elite putter, you go out there, you spike even just a little bit with those irons. I'm talking like three, maybe four strokes with the irons. You're talking about at least being in contention, if not winning, because this guy's going to gain consistently off the tee, has that distance, and that putter looks like a cheat code. It literally looks like he went on to a video game, typed in a cheat code to make every single putt from 20, 25 feet. I mean, the guy's especially when he has that putter working, looks unstoppable. So you get him in a little bit of pressure. I'd be interested to see how it holds up, but he could definitely take it home. A few other ball strikers we could see. I mean, Ben Griffin, I was extremely impressed by him in person. Um, He was playing in the wind at the RSM Classic and hit some of the best iron shots I've seen into about a 40-mile-an-hour gale. So I think he's got a lot of upside, had a few top three finishes over the fall here. One of those young up-and-coming studs, I think, is really going to assert themselves. Um, They're going to easily be the rookie of the year, whoever that is, and potentially a superstar going forward. All right, my spicy take for 2023 involves Liv, okay? I I went to the Liv Miami event, kind of saw how the sauce was made, walked around with our friend Charles Howe, HV3, learned a lot, okay? They spent $2 billion in 2022. They're spending $2 billion more in 2023. My hot take is a couple things. I actually think they're going to get a TV deal. I also think that by the end of 2023, they will have figured out a way to have world golf ranking points. Um, and, and I actually think that the product will be more entertaining than people may want to give it credit for. I'm not saying that you know the other, the other things against Live are, are, are not warranted, but I actually think the team element, the franchise element, 
the things that I've heard about what's going on with Liv, I mean, I've heard Matt Wolf is is kind of that hot free agent that, that Bryson and these other guys are kind of courting right now. I know Taylor Gooch is off the four aces and wants to go to another team. I think when you start mixing those things in, uh, I think the, the sponsors for the franchises and all that stuff is going to be interesting. I've heard that there's like six or seven sponsors lined up ready to go, but none of them want to be the first one. But when the first one falls, they're all going to fall. I just think that some of that drama, some of that team drama, the franchise drama is going to pull more people in than I think a lot of people want to give it credit for. Uh, and it could be interesting. And then I think if they pull the, the TV deal and they pull the World Golf Ranking points, then it's kind of on. Um, so I'm glad that they've, they've helped improve the PGA Tour product because I'd, I'd still much rather watch a PGA Tour event. But I think that Liv is going to have more interest uh, and be more interesting than a lot of people are giving it credit for. And uh, I could see World Golf ranking points, and I can see a TV deal in their future for 2023. Call me crazy. So I know you're going to love this one. And, you know, I'm kind of back and forth as to whether or not it is a hot take. But considering this bet is plus 200 right now, I think it is a bit of a hot take. But I would say my hot take, and I've said it last year, so, you know, we're doing pretty well, is that Rory won't win a major um, this year. Um, if he doesn't do it this year, like it's truly, truly like, okay, like, I don't know when you ever will. There's no more perfect timing. I think the course is always set up well for him. He top tended every single major last year, but I think the fact that Rory to win a major this year is plus 200. Like I'll, I'll take that as, as a hot take, because I do think this is the year that people, uh, think that he, he's going to cross the finish line in one of these and and kind of end that eight, nine-year drought he's been on in major championships. And there you have it, Pat Mayo. I cannot thank him enough for being on, coming on my new little YouTube channel, finding the time to be on here, giving some of the best takes I've heard. Pat, appreciate you being on here. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you and all your awesome content? Well, if you're already on the YouTubes, you might as well head on over to Mayo Media network you can find all of my video content up there obviously all my podcast audio wise on apple and spotify over at the pat mayo experience it's daily it's golf centered it's football centered it could be random craziness centered find out on which day mondays is for golf though during golf season so a reminder on that one and obviously if you're going to use your stats you're going to use your info fantasynational.com you throw a slash mayo at the end of fantasynational.com you get 20 percent off so i recommend doing that but the big thing right now before the season starts, the race for the Mayo Cup. $500,000 of guaranteed money are in the pool. It's a one-and-done tournament, and it's $125 per year. So it runs from Sony all the way through the BMW Championship. So really, it's like 4 bucks a week. You can have up to five entries. You pick one player per week. If you don't know what a one-and-done is, I'm sure you do if you're watching this channel. But you get one guy per week. You use him once. Can't use him again. For the rest of the year he's out of there so well it's fifty thousand dollars the first prize and it is probably as low of a lift as you could have in any sort of tournament whether it be betting whether it be draftings now the one and done takes like 20 seconds a week you can set up text reminders to make sure that you make your pick every single week so i would highly recommend you do that so go to fantasy golf championships com and there's myriad tournaments up there there's a thousand dollar entry this one is the 125 dollars there's a 25 dollar one if you just want to test the waters see what it's all about i highly recommend that you go do that so that's at fantasygolfchampionships.com i try to warn you guys the man's a badass and knows his stuff tambo why don't you tell these people where can they find you in all your badass content my mother father Try to keep it all together, but we got a lot going on. So Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, myself and Kenny Kim, comes out every Monday evening on the Mayo Media Network. Pat and myself will be doing shows Wednesday on the Mayo Media Network, live in studio. Those will come out, of course, rumpuresports.com. You guys can find all my premium content there behind the scenes. Got a premium show every Wednesday, myself, Big T, and Hoop. And then follow me on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. Tambo's Tidbits, the thread, will be out once a week. Not every thread is going to tell you how to... 10 ways to change your life 15 ways to do this it's just about golf it's once a week every wednesday it'll be out on twitter at toe tag and tambo there you have it that was my man eric thanks again for being here 925 sports why don't you tell the people where they can find you well first of all thanks for having me on i do appreciate that if anyone's watching this that hasn't liked to the channel make sure to do that subscribe to it as well uh, you can go to my channel and do that as well if you want. Uh, 9 to 5 Sports pretty much on YouTube, Twitter. You can find it there, or you can just look up Eric Paul Zane on Twitter. You'll be able to find me there. If you guys want to, check out the website as well, 9to5sports.com. Keep it simple for you guys. That's kind of what I try to do with the DFS approach as well. Keep it simple, easy for you guys to follow. But, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
And there you have it. My dude, Jason Roslin, I warned you, he had the hottest takes out there. So, Jason, why don't you tell the people where they can find all your amazing content? Yeah, so find all of my golf content over on at Fantasy Golf Bag. And Drew uh, Matthews and myself were working really hard to get you guys what you want. And in terms of free content, we've got a ton out there. It's going to be focusing on short form and short, quick recaps of things that you can pretty much get and do anywhere as we were learning. And of course, you get my picks article that I've been doing for so long, the winning element that I've called it. That's a, a premium thing uh, there at Fantasy Golf Bag that comes out every Wednesday, gives you every single pick that I'm doing. Now, we can't give out lineups, of course, uh, per the rules, but I give you all of my core plays, how much percentage I'm playing each player each and every week. And of course, we've got our couple of models uh, that we've got going on in the PGA Tour Spectrum data that Drew Matthews have created. We're both huge golfers, so we love diving into the data. Go check us out at Fantasy Golf. All right, I want to thank my man Luke for coming on. Luke, what do the people need to know about you and your schedule so they can come check out your content? Yeah, for sure. So when golf season comes along, I'll be doing a lot of course previews early in the week. These usually drop early on a Monday. So make sure to check those out. But we have a weekly stream on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central. So the hour right before DJN goes live. So uh, perfectly timed there for all of you guys out there to check out both streams. We're doing showdown streams for rounds two through four. Most of the time, those will be at 7 p.m. But depending on where the event is, Sometimes it'll be earlier or later because, you know, for East Coast events, sometimes we're not getting these guys off the golf course till 738. So I'll stay posted to my social media links. They'll be up there on the video there. My Twitter and my YouTube um, is where I post all of my content. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out, guys. Thanks again for coming on, brother. Thank you. All right, I just want to thank my man DB from the Tour Junkies for coming on, giving us all these great takes, giving us one that's a little bit counter than what we're used to hearing. Hey, my man, DB, tell the people where they can find you and all your amazing content. Well, thanks for having me on, you you, you chief mother father. Um, I appreciate this. This is good. Your content's good. You're the showdown king for sure. Um, I could learn a lot by uh, by consuming all your content. So uh, for us, I mean, obviously, anywhere you listen to podcasts, the YouTube channel, uh, Twitter, Instagram, tour underscore junkies. We've got a great Discord server with a tremendous community there. You can check us out on Discord. That's called the Nut Hut. You can check that out on tourjunkies.com slash Nut Hut. Join the Discord server. Uh, it's a good time in there. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be running this wild, wildly long PGA Tour marathon with you in 2023. Um, I'm excited for it, though. All right, I tried to tell you, he's sneaky sharp. His name's Brian Kirshner. I appreciate you being on, brother. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you and all your content? James, it was a pleasure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Brian Kirshner underscore. Uh, tap and birdie every Tuesday night. Have a guest on. James will be on this year. Looking forward to that. I'll be riding for Odds Checker this year, some, uh, some of my outright bets. So it's going to be a good season. I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully we can win some money. And there you have it. That was all my favorite guys from the content industry. Who I listen to, why I listen to, and probably why you should also. Go check them out. Also, drop a like and a sub. I hope to see you around, new guy. We'll see you later, brother.